Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips Herb, Tax Girl. I'm a tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers and tax practitioners like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. If you're a regular listener on the show, you know that I've talked a lot about the toll that the past year and a half has taken on tax professionals and taxpayers, and it shows. According to a 2021 survey from the staffing firm Robert Half, more than four in 10 employees, or 44%, say they are more burned out on the job today than they were a year ago. Employers are looking for solutions, as are employees. To talk about what that could look like, I've invited Irama Pozo to the show. Irama is an independent consultant with more than 15 years of financial expertise and an adjunct lecturer in accounting at John Jay College in New York. She is an active member of the New York State Society of CPAs, and most of her experience is in the not-for-profit sector, having held financial leadership and public accounting-related roles. She has also worked for the IRS and has experience working with entrepreneurs, small businesses, and the real estate, insurance, and entertainment sectors. She has also worked as a director of finance and consultant at various nonprofit organizations. She earned her BBA in accounting from Baruch College and a master's in finance from Pace University. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. So I'm really excited because um, so to give our listeners a little bit of context, how this conversation came about is I asked people to talk about like their favorite tax code sections that people felt like didn't get enough attention. And you immediately responded with yours. So um, your kind of focus with respect to that is on well-being, which is why I mentioned at the top of the program about so many people feeling stressed out. So kind of walk us through what you think the tax code or those related provisions can offer employees and employers in terms of, you know, kind of getting back to some semblance of normalcy. So I know that for the during the pandemic, a lot of people were thinking of how do they continue to serve their clients and how do they continue to work with their colleagues? And people were not taking into account everything that needed to happen for people to function from home. For example, I teach part-time and I was always able to go on campus to grade or to walk through their garden and interact with students. And I don't have a garden here. <laughs> and I didn't have all this change of scenery. And I also didn't have the equipment that I had in school. I didn't have all of that at home. Also with my consulting work, I used to be able to go out to clients and, and meet with them in coffee shops, meet with them at their locations. And that went away as well. And I noticed that I didn't really have, even though I've been working for from home for a while, I didn't really have everything I needed to work from home 24-7, right? Right, Like right. the chairs that I used to have in the school and the lighting and the additional equipment, just the change of scenery that really affects you. And also being able to, like in New York, you, when you go take the train, you're walking so much. Mm-hmm. And to replicate all those steps that you have, if you don't have uh, exercise equipment at home, uh, there's so much you can do on your mat if your whole commute is going away. That's funny that you mentioned that because I will just interject and say that my husband 
went to our office about midway through the pandemic. I was staying home, but he went to the office one day just to check on it and make sure everything was fine. And um, he has a Fitbit and he came home and he was surprised at the increase, even though we take walks around the neighborhood during the day, but he was surprised at what the Fitbit said just after being at the office, because it was little things like going out to the trash or taking a walk to go get a drink or something like that. You know, during the day, you do realize that when you're at home, you sit a lot. Yes. And I finally bought a standing desk. Mm -hmm. I said, I can't really be sitting down that much to be doing all the work I need to be doing to be transitioning to distance learning, to help people that I was working with uh, on consulting projects, to help them kind of get up to par. I bought a standing desk and I didn't realize I didn't buy the floor mat and you can't work barefoot from home. <laughs> There's a reason we have rugs that work. <laughs> Do you love your desk? Because that's been on my list. I know a lot of folks have talked about that. We actually talked about it on tax Twitter too. Like, do you love it or what do you think about it? I guess in my heart, I want to be a home decorator. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> so I don't love it because it's very, it's just the standard one that I got. Right. But it's, it's really useful because it doesn't allow me to put too many things on it. I just got the very small desk. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the chair that I don't like as much because I'm not used to sitting up so high. Gotcha. But I do like the, the change of, of, I guess it helps me to stand, to sit straighter. Mm -hmm. I, I like that, the elevation of it and being able to stand and sit and not have to move everything around because just having one little regular desk, you have to have all these other gadgets on top of it. So I like not having to have an extra gadget. Well, and this is one thing, you know, that, that I think it actually ties in really nicely with this, this discussion that people are focusing on is I think for a really long time, people who would occasionally work from home treated their offices kind of like um it was a part-time thing it was like a throwaway you might have like a corner where you had a an uncomfortable chair and a stack of papers right and i think now people are thinking about their offices more as this is not only a workspace but it is where i'm spending a lot of time and how can i be comfortable and how can i be healthy yes so this all took me back to when i worked at a health insurance company where they came in and actually assessed whether or not you were sitting properly, they put your keyboard in the right location. They always made a fuss about the lighting and they did everything possible to keep their health costs as low as possible by keeping you as healthy as possible, giving you points for going to Weight Watchers meetings and using the lunch coupons they gave you for the subsidized lunch and just rewarding people for, for being proactive with their well-being. And I said, oh my goodness, I I feel like I need to go buy like a like a whole mansion just to work from home so I can have everything that I had in the past. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait a minute, I know that because I, I'm working independently, most of my things that I had to write are tax write-offs. But what about people who solely work for employers and their employers weren't really thinking about equipment? Like, for example, the schools that I work, the university system that I worked for, they didn't give me a laptop. They didn't give me a printer. They didn't give me any of that, right? Because you, when you work part-time for them, you just come in, do your thing and leave. Right. And I'm pretty sure there were some people who had to go in, out and buy a laptop or buy things that are not going to be tax deductible for them as unreimbursed employee expenses and are not, they, they didn't have the budget or authorization to buy them for their company. Right. And the, also people 
this crunching over, like I know I've always been conscious because uh, I used to work as an auditor and I used to have to go to clients. Some of the clients gave you the worst seats ever. I remember one time a client <laughs> gave us like two boxes, two dusty boxes and, and chairs that look like the cafeteria chairs from elementary school to sit on to do um, some walkthrough work. And I've always been conscious of stretching and walking around, changing a pace, but there was so much space that I could do that now. And I started thinking about what about people who don't have, they've never really thought of these things and now they're stuck at home. They don't have the, the money to buy all of these things and their employers are shelling out money to their clients and their, their stakeholders, but they've forgotten about their employees and not realizing that there are some tax benefits, uh, credits and all that they can ha- take and help their employees because employees should not be suffering extra during a pandemic. And this is actually something that I had mentioned before on the program, as well as in my, my column, is I think part of the thing is, you know, I know you're going to talk about some of the tax benefits, but I think just from a employer, employee standpoint, I think employers were so used to having people in their offices and they had already arranged everything, kind of like you, you were talking about at your health insurance company, where they've, where they've already accommodated everything they can think of that might be useful. And I think when employees went home, employers didn't, I don't know that it, it was a conscious decision to not look at what was happening, but I think a lot of them just, it was out of sight, out of mind. Like they weren't listening and and I also fault employees a little bit here for not speaking up. I know some some of them have, but I actually was listening. I'm, I got some emails about folks who were saying things like they didn't know that they they had to add a cell phone coverage, for example, additional cell phone, additional internet. Some employers, and there was one actually that came up in one of the articles that I wrote, actually provide stipends for employees, reimbursement stipends, but the employee didn't know to ask. So I think that, you know, employers were making a little bit of an effort, some of them, maybe they could make a bit more, but I also think it's really important to self-advocate and say, like, I am missing the tools that I need to do my job. And also I am not happy about, you know, I I don't like working from my dining room table. I, you know, how can this be more comfortable for us? Because, you know, I think happier employees are going to be more productive employees. And I think employers want that. So what do you think some of the things that employers could do to turn things around a bit for their employees? Sure. So I think that definitely they need to look into more of these, um, for example, like with a pandemic, they should have really been looking into Section 139 and seeing what some practitioners were recommending, which is making sure that you are giving people these additional funds to cover all the additional medical expenses out of pocket. We, most employers would be able to capture that information easily by looking at their health insurance policies that people have selected, working with the HR and, and their payroll departments, seeing what people's co-pays are. Um, and since Section 139 doesn't really require a written plan per se, but I always, you know, I used to work with IRS. I always feel everything should be documented to the best of your ability. Yes. <laughs> the lawyer in <laughs> me agrees with you. Yes. <laughs> and there were things like, for example, the extra, the additional utilities, for example, who paid for my increased utilities when I was teaching distance learning and had to stay home all day to work for, you know, some clients, right? Like, of course, I can't charge the educational system for my additional utilities, but they did give money out for people, but they didn't give money out for 
some of the contractors, right? Right. Giving people things like, for example, there are some companies that really used to spoil their employees and, and give them breakfast and lunch. Obviously, you're not going to give people Uber Eats <laughs> certificates every day. But if you were a company that was sponsoring people because you kept them in meetings for six hours a day, perhaps you should have provided some type of stipend for lunches. And in, with regards to just like the regular Section 125, there are a lot of things now that it's it's a different world we live in. Some people have pre-existing conditions. Some people have a lot of anxiety and stress. I, I know that a lot, there's still a stigma around mental illness and, and challenges. And let's be honest, even if you were the happiest person in the world before the pandemic, you could have suffered for, you know, just all these changes and all this bad news. Yes. And burnout from not having a break, because especially if you're in your apartment all of the time, you feel compelled to work or at your home all of the time. And then you're also maybe homeschooling your kids and taking care of an adult parent. And I just think people, um, it's been a really, really tough year. Yes. And, and I think that like for a lot of times, these insurance policies do not cover seeing a therapist. These do not cover acupuncture. They do not cover functional medicine. Uh, this would have been a good opportunity for employers to take a step back and offer more holistic well-being services and mm-hmm. not just the regular EAP where, you know, you have some legal expenses and just giving people the regular health insurance and, and these premiums that people can't really absorb. It would have been a good idea to absorb them for them using these two code sections. I, I think back, like I actually started going to acupuncture during the pandemic and realized like, I could have been a CPA firm partner if I had done acupuncture my whole life. I could have really <laughs> rolled with those punches. And the regular, you know, I'm not going to talk bad about a health care or anything like that. But even our bodies do not even absorb everything that we eat. Mm-hmm. And when we have these professions where it, they're so demanding and we have to sometimes skip lunch, people disregard our boundaries. We have all these deadlines. Like you really have to make a lifestyle out of taking care of yourself. And yes, we have work to do, but employers should really be looking at supporting the whole person. Just like when you in education, always trying to support the whole student, right? Your student comes in with every other baggage of of life and they come into your class for an hour and 15 minutes. And you have to make sure that, you know, you do some mind setting exercises and mindfulness exercises and help them to be present and doing icebreakers. So employers need to do icebreakers for employees. Employees can't just be expected to do just all their work. And, you know, your neck is stiff from sitting in Zoom meetings all day. Why do we need to be in meetings for seven hours a day? Right. Well, and going back to the therapist bit, because I actually, I find this fascinating and it's something that um, I've learned about this year in particular from actually a lot of my colleagues and my my company now at Bloomberg, because a lot of therapists and even um, psychiatrists, psychologists, kind of the, the gamut, do not accept traditional insurance. They have uh, policies where you can bill your insurance on your own, but they will not work through insurance. Um, and that's really cost prohibitive, I think, for a lot of folks. It is cost prohibitive. So imagine first the stigma. Mm-hmm. Then working through all those sti- the stigma and your personal issues of even wanting to get help. And now you go and try to get help and your insurance doesn't pay for it. And you're told you may have to spend $500 a month 
on therapy for a lot or of people, more. anything yeah. that resembles a car payment is scary. So yeah. I think that a lot of companies need to really take into account like the modern day living, right? And use these plans to actually set up the, do more for, uh, to have people sign up for the HSA the F- and, and set up FSAs as well and have more discretionary costs that people can actually use, right? Uh, right so yeah. if I worked for an organization that gave me $10,000 a year to for my well-being and I, I could just use that and, and get reimbursements from that, it's easy to submit $500 a month, right, of costs. But mm-hmm. it's not easy when you have, when you know that money isn't there, it's not going to come back to you. Right. So companies do need to make sure that people have that flexibility to go where they want. Like, for example, there's one company that I was looking into, uh, you know, I guess on on Spotify, when you have a free subscription, they give you all the ads they want. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's true. So there was one company called Parsley here in New York, where it's more about functional medicine. I've always been interested in functional medicine. Um, Some point I'm going to take some, some type of certifications because I keep trying to help people with their businesses and their work, but have to help them with their mindset so much and mm-hmm. and help them figure out how to take better care of themselves. And I, and I said to myself, well, this Parsley place, it's like $2,000 a year for membership and you get all these alternative things and advice. And I think that it's like when you work with a trainer, you need to be able to have flexibility to work with who you want. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's very important to have preventive medicine, but we don't always need prevention. We Sometimes we just need regular maintenance and being able to understand our bodies better mm-hmm. because this profession will, will take a toll on your body. It's like being a professional athlete. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and when you mentioned earlier, some of these um, opportunities, I know that, that companies and, and Bloomberg is one of them. Some of them now do offer services where you have different levels of care that you're entitled to without having to pay out of pocket. And I think that is a tremendous benefit that employers could offer their employees because they are anonymous. And I think that uh, the one at Bloomberg, for example, allows you a certain number of sessions with a therapist or a counselor. You know, there's different tiers, I believe, Um, but it is not out of pocket. And I think that's really important because when the employer is bearing the cost, the employee doesn't necessarily, you, I know you mentioned stigma. The nice thing about that is if everybody has that same opportunity available to them, you're not the person calling HR and saying, you know, hi, I need some additional care. I can't afford it. What do I do? Like it's available to all employees. And, and I wish that more companies would embrace that kind of philosophy that we're going to make these opportunities available to you. And we're going to eat the cost and we're going to, we're going to consider it a cost of having, you know, healthy employees. We're going to deduct it on our end so that you don't have to worry about it out of pocket. I think that that's a really tremendous opportunity for employers. And I'll add that because I've sat at so many different seats on the table, right? Things have to really be communicated to employees because I've worked with people who don't understand how those transit programs work, for example. Mm-hmm. And I've had to sit there for an hour explaining to them how tax deferrals work for these programs and their benefit. And, you know, I, I told them I can't, I'm not allowed to give them tax advice because, um, but I'm just doing financial literacy at work, right? Right. Uh, explaining to them how basic things work. And I don't understand how someone can go 20 years of working with corporations and not understand these these 
benefits, but I do understand because a lot of times when you, you're onboarded, especially now with everything being electronic, you just send all this, all this paper. Yes. All these things, <laughs> all these documents, and you don't really get to, to see what's available. So I think that companies are going to have to give people a snapshot, like a one pager that says this is everything that's possibly available to you at this company. Mm-hmm. We're amazing. This is everything you can do. This is the training. These are your benefits. And this is how you decide whether or not you're going to elect them. Because there's a lot that companies, some companies are great at doing, but the employees have no clue that it's being done for them. And there should be regular follow-up. Because I will say that the funny thing is, I think you mentioned like, you know, how can someone be at a company in 15 years? The interesting thing is that your life changes so much in those 15 years. You know, you might be in a different relationship. You might have kids. You might be taking care of a parent. You might have moved. And maybe when you started your job, you didn't think you were going to need access to therapy. Or maybe when you started your job, you thought that acupuncture wasn't something you would be interested in. But, you know, 10 years later, it's a really great idea and you've forgotten that they offer it. Um, so I would agree that employers absolutely need to, to review what their own resources are. But it would be terrific if more HR departments did like regular follow throughs and saying, don't forget that we have this service available. And, uh, and not to sound like a broken record, it's pretty funny because I don't usually mention Bloomberg very often on my podcast, but <laughs> I've mentioned it a few times today. But that is because I do think they've done a terrific job during the pandemic of not only making services available, but reminders. I know that our um, executive editor sends out regular emails reminding us that if you need therapy, for example, we have this available. Um, I think that's really great because when you're an employee, you're often buried in your work and you're not thinking about what is available to help me. And so I think that companies could definitely do a better job of not only, as you mentioned, putting a little snapshot together, but every now and again, poking employees and saying, don't forget we have this. For example, like you mentioned, commuting and transit. What if when you started working at a company, you were driving in every day and then after a year, you're like, you know what, this is not for me. I would much rather take the subway, but you don't remember back to the idea that the, you know, the transit benefit was available. You know, that would be great if that was the kind of thing that employers either made very easily available on their websites or sent out constant, remi- not constant, but, you know, regular reminders to employees. Definitely. And I know like in education, they're always like showcasing students that have overcome some hardship or taken on something that's special, like they, they've gotten a fellowship or something. Mm-hmm. I know that in the workplace that you're limited to what you can share about your employees, but sometimes hearing stories from other people at different levels in the organization can really help you to Take it, take into account all of these benefits. Like for yes. example, if someone said that they were given uh, a gift cards for running races, right? And I, I'm trying to get back into running. So I've said, you know what? I want to go shop there for free. I, I you know, <laughs> it would be like an extra incentive to go yes. and, and actually become more active for some people. Also, when you hear people, for example, if someone were to say that someone died and they took advantage of the grief counseling available through the job. And that it really helped them to work through their grief. That would be something that would help people to see, oh, this is actually a real program. It's not just you go in, talk to someone and, and they're just like taking notes and they're not really helping you. This is something that's valuable that could really help. Like, like I've had lunch with Sally. I know. So she, if she's saying this is good, then 
there's an actual person I can relate to, not just a pamphlet. Right. So I know that there's limits to what you can do, but also employers uh, need to listen to what, you know, I know that I, I work with people from all generations and some of the older generations will say that they're tired of catering to younger generations, but I, I don't believe that at all. I want to cater to younger generations as well because they're going to, you know, pay into my social security. But <laughs> all jokes aside, there are new things that are happening, right? That to people and new pressures that people are going through mm-hmm. and new lifestyles that people are building. So if employers need to start incentivizing people by the results and the value, not just, you know, the utilization rates and, and the FaceTime, because like, even if there's a way to incorporate some of these professional associations, like some of the training that's not technical, because a lot of times people push back, they're like, oh, this isn't technical. I'm not sending you to this workshop. So when they have these workshops that are more about your well-being, about distressing and, and relaxing, like I think that there should be more support for that. So it's not just like, oh, I'm going to go to AICPA conference. Yeah, it's great. But then when you say you're going to a woman's retreat, no one is supporting that. Right. And then, you know, men are saying that they're very stressed as well with all this, you know, all that's going on in life as well. So we're helping people to learn how to manage their stress. Yes. I think that's huge. I think when you look at the number of people who are saying they are burned out, you know, that's not sustainable over a long period of time. And that's not good for the employees. And it's not good for the companies either. If your entire workforce is stressed out, what does that look like in a year? Right. So I do, I agree with you. I think that so many of the things that we used to think of as, I think we thought of them as uh, perks, but like fun perks, right? I think we need to kind of reshape the notion of fun into to more of a self-care. Like, I think that there are a lot of things that have gotten, and when you mentioned retreats, I think that's one of them, that have kind of gotten this reputation almost as being frivolous. And I think that we need to kind of redirect that conversation towards how can we talk about being healthy in a way that makes sense. And we don't, we don't start using terms like, you know, that that's frivolous because maybe, and I know it's, it's funny, but you know, you joke about a weekend away, you know, that, that weekend away might be exactly the thing that you need so that the next week you're, you're really on and you're ready to do your job. And I think that in an employee market right now, we might see more of those options available to employees. Yes. And obviously we're not talking about people using the tax code and and going to spa retreats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it has to have a legitimate business purpose. Yes. But we're dealing with people and people bring their whole self with them. And the more people have to pack down to be present at a job, the worse it's going to be because when they leave, it's just like one of those old up toys that just springs back up. Like you punch it and it springs back up. Mm-hmm. So all that pressure just springs back up when they're walking through the door and walking to the train station or walking to the garage. and I know that the profession has changed. You know, I'm a young Gen Xer and the profession has changed a bit, right? Like I can, I currently can out, can help clients eliminate the work that I used to do full time, right? Like <laughs> right. I, can, I can help someone, the things that I used to do for 20 hours a week, I can help someone and set them up in a way that they can do that work in 30 minutes or an hour or half a day. So, so that's another pressure for people sometimes. Like, am I going to be relevant? Am I going to be, uh, are my skills up to par? Like well, how, what's going on, all these changes. So helping people kind of, everyone has, like when you, in education, when you think about uh, all this trauma-informed learning and teaching and all, there's going to be, resi- there's going to be this residual 
stress and, and trauma and all that people are going to have. But the more you help people to get to that residual part, like this is what can be eliminated. Like everything else is gone. Like it's just, they're showing up at their best mm-hmm. and they know how to get back to their best when life happens. Yeah. We need more of that because life is going to happen and it's going to continue happening. And companies need to do a better job at using automation and delegation and outsourcing so people can actually do their job because I work in places where you're spending half your day doing uh, administrative things that could have been automated or um, a virtual assistant or an admin could have helped the the people with, right? right? And now all that stress of now having to stay late to finish your work because you had to do all these other things. So it's, you know, when you're looking to change things and make things better and, and help people with their well-being, you have to look at everything that's going on, the person and how your organization is actually structuring work and what expectations are set. Because that mindset, like I know I used to work in public accounting and have managers who said, you're lucky to have a job. We have 100 people lined up to replace you. Like that's that attitude cannot can no longer work. Right. Right. People yeah. want to have a life and a job. They don't want to live just to work. Right. And work is demanding enough. so. Creating that space where people can work in peace. <laughs> yeah. Not in pieces is <laughs> very important. So if employers are listening or small, especially a, a small to mid-sized businesses, because I think bigger businesses have, at least already have the infrastructure set up to take care of some of these opportunities, even if they haven't, but they have the infrastructure set up to do it. For small businesses and medium-sized businesses, what do you recommend in terms of getting started, like I know you mentioned, like they need to look and see what is needed. Do you recommend that they talk to employees? Do they hire a consultant? Like, what would you recommend for somebody who's listening and is like, you know what, you're right. I feel like I need to do more for my employees, but I don't know where to start. I would recommend they start with, like, it has to be threefold. It has to be looking at employees, like giving them, like in education, you're always talking about giving students agency. So, Mm -hmm. but you're still making the final decision as to what's in the curriculum, giving people a voice, surveying your employees and seeing like what they're really concerned about. Like in parenting, you always want to have someone else be the one to ground the person and and, and give the rules, right? And be the cool parent. So yes, bring in a consultant, right? And it doesn't have to be someone from McKenzie, right? It can be a regular person. Like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm, it's just a shameless plug. A, A normal person like myself has been through organizations like this, right? Mm -hmm. And have someone come in and actually assess what's going on, right? So talk to people, um, like kind of audit what the work is like for people, right? Listening to them without any kind of judgment, without kind of being the bad cop and and coming back and and, and pointing fingers and saying, Sally said that this place is a horrible place to work because you don't let her take lunch. Like making it more anonymous and making it more neutral. And then Studying what is working, like you have, um, like Cliff Smith, um, he's written this book on mindfulness with, uh, without bells and beads. And he has like this, uh, eight week program within the book, right? And then you have a wellness, be a, a, a wellness officer at another fir- large firm and kind of trying to figure out like what, what works for them. Mm-hmm. Seeing if there's, you can do a smaller scale of that and then going to places like gusto to see what they've set up, right? Because you don't have to recreate the entire wheel, but you do have to give people a voice mm-hmm. and a choice, right? And if within reason, you're not going to say to everyone, hi, we have 15 people on staff, this is a boutique firm, and we're going to let you decide if you want to go to Disney World or Vegas <laughs> or, or a spa vacation every year. It has to be sustainable. 
Sure. And it has to be like, don't give people what they don't want. Like if someone tells me they're going to send me skiing every year, um, I'm going to be happy and I'm not. Because <laughs> you have to make sure you're listening to people because um, I've worked with people. All they want is to go home and not have to do any more work. They want things to be a little bit more organized in the office. They want things that, you know, like, okay, occasionally, you know, the busy season, going back to a real busy season, right? Those 12 weeks, busy all the time, not having to be on call all the time. Right. Like, don't send people emails at two o'clock in the morning. Like, you can actually go in and set your email so they're sent at eight o'clock in the morning. So creating that space, like, you have to create a safe space for people. Mm -hmm. Because if not, they're not going to believe, they're not going to buy into what you're saying. Right. It's like when you talk to students and tell them, this is what's going to be on the test. And you walk in, give them a different test. Now they, they don't trust you anymore. So your friends <laughs> right. are the same way. They're, they want to be able to trust you, right? They want to know that, okay, you're making the ultimate decision, but you've heard them and you have some structure. You're not just making it up as you go along. You're testing things, but you're not testing their patience, right? And everything doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Right. That's what holds companies back is the fear of yes. expenses. Yeah. And like, this is like another code section, but yeah, help people with their student loans. You want them to have all these degrees and these certifications. Uh, are you actually helping them with that? So take into account, what are you requesting from people and how are you supporting? Right. I think a lot of this kind of boils down to talking more. I think we've kind of gotten before the pandemic, things were humming along for a lot of companies, or at least they felt that they were. And I think that they didn't take time regularly to check in and see what employees were thinking or what they needed. And I think kind of the takeaway that we've had is those conversations are valuable. Yes, they are. And always remembering that employees are stakeholders too. So not just barking at them to get things deliverables for clients and not just worrying about your board. Like employees are the ones doing the actual work. They're the reason that you have that nice house. They're the reason that you're able to send your kids to Harvard. They're the reason that you're able to buy a sports car. And no one should feel guilty about having luxury, but your employees should not be sitting at home getting turnoff notices because you didn't give them a stipend and their partner lost their job so they don't have enough income while you're sitting there eating steak at the fireplace. <laughs> right, exactly. Like just to give, a, just to give a, a visual yeah, of yeah. what could happen when you don't take care of your employees. Like, Someone is actually at their car making a call to a client because they don't have electricity in their house because they missed, they forgot, you know, they had to pay for their aunt's insulin and they forgot to pay their light bill. Right. Because you didn't give them a stipend. So you have to make sure that you're giving, because financial stress in itself is a killer for health, right? Yes. A lot of people, people get divorced because of financial stress. People get sick because of financial stress. So anything that you can eliminate from your employees, you know, you're not there to be their, their all, but you're asking them to be your all, to give you all their waking hours, making sure they walk in and they're able to do their job. They're not worried about all these extra things that pocket changed here. Yeah. I just keep thinking of Hamilton over and over in my uh, head when you were speaking, when, when, you know, when the, the line, when they say it, talk less, listen more, that seems like a good line, I think, for a lot of employers nowadays. So well, thank you so much. I think this has been really helpful. If folks wanted to find you and you wanted to be found either on the web or on social media, where would you send them? Sure. So I'm very active on LinkedIn most days. They can find me there by my name. I also am on Instagram as the Duchess of Accounting. I have a site set up. I, I will be adding extra sites, but this site is my first name, um, last name, 
Padilla.com. So it's uh, iramapozo.padilla.com. Uh, they can find me there. I'll be putting some extra courses there. But uh, I, you know, I hope that they follow me on LinkedIn. That's a good place. And on and, and Instagram as well. Great. And I'll be sure to put all of the links to that in the show notes so that people can easily find it. Thank you again for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.